Hello, everybody. Welcome to History Hour. We have a really special hour with you because we have some of the most amazing historians and my personal friends on. And this is going to be a little different of a um, history hour. It's not a one-on-one interview that you guys are used to. This is more of what I call a historian roundtable, where we have a discussion about Um, something to do with history. Now, we don't have a subject today, but we are talking about history in the social media space, history in the digital age, what that looks like. Um, We're going to be talking about some questions regarding censorship, um, how social media kind of has affected history, storytelling, um, the actual history, But I've got some really great guests. If you have have, uh, been a fan of mine, if you've, you know, watched the show, you've met all of these lovely individuals before. But I'm going to give them an opportunity to introduce themselves to you guys, shout out their uh, social media um, handles and where you can follow them. Uh, Without further ado, you may know Eddie here uh, from Napoleon. He had some hot takes about that movie, and we discussed those. So he's been on the channel most recently. So, Eddie, why don't you give us a little shout-out who you are, where people can follow you, kind of introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. Thank you, Lisa, and welcome to every one of my friends on with me. Um, So my name is Eddie, and I run a channel called History Unlimited on Instagram. I also run a similar account of the same name on TikTok. I have not yet started the YouTube channel, got going on it, but I also have um, uh, a Vietnam War page uh, at the Vietnam War 3.0 on Instagram, where I cover specifically the Vietnam War era. I also started a Napoleon account, uh, the real Napoleon Bonaparte, because I was so frustrated with the quote-unquote epic movie that I decided to uh, make an account dedicated to Napoleon. Um, I've been on Instagram for a little over a year, give or take. Um, All three of my accounts I operate by myself. I also operate a huge collaborative. Uh, Garrett's very familiar with this. Uh, Jen and yourself. Um, I have over 600 partners, co-creators that I work with to help them grow their account and share through collaborations our work. Um, But as everyone else is here, I'm a historian. I love history. My degrees are in history. Um, I'm a living historian. I participated in Civil War reenactments for over 30 years. So my take on history is very similar to everyone else's, and we are definitely under siege uh, when it comes to social media. And we'll get more on that as everyone goes to their introduction. But thank you for having me here and look forward to the show. Thank you, Eddie. Um, yes, we will get uh, into that here a little later. I, I think we're all kind of feeling it. Jen, um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? I know you've been a re- recurring guest on the show, so we're excited to have you back. But um, introduce yourself and where people can follow you. Sure. Hi, I'm Jen of Walk With History. 
Uh, I have a Facebook, a we, I have to say we, because my husband is the <laughs> other side of Walk With History, but he does most of the production side of everything. So you might see his head every now and then, like in the, the screen, or you might see him standing there off to the side. But on the podcast, Talk With History, he is the host. So if you listen to our podcast, Scott is the host. He will open up and close. Uh, he is active duty Navy. I'm a Navy veteran. I use my GI Bill to go back to school and get a degree because like Lisa said, where does this credibility come from as historians and how do you build that and what is valid, what isn't valid? And there really is no true answer to that, but there are just some ways that we try to kind of give validation to things. So um, that's where my background is, but we have the Walk With History Instagram, which I collaborate with everybody on here, which is so fantastic. And then Walk With History on YouTube, which is really our biggest, our long form videos. And then the Talk With History podcast, which is more in depth to the videos, gives you tips and tricks to visit these locations. We also will review historic movies um, and things along that nature. So that's yeah. kind of the places you can find us. Thank you. And last but not least, Garrett, today in History Buff. It's been a while since I've had him on the show, but he is someone that I collaborate with a lot. I think we started our history accounts at the same time. So I'm really excited to have Garrett on. Garrett, um, just FYI, there's a little audio issue with Garrett. So he's going to look muted. But, you know, whenever he wants to speak, he can, can speak, just so you know. Because I think that little mute microphone shows up. So that's the only reason why. But Garrett, go ahead and unmute yourself and uh, tell us a little about yourself and where people can follow you. Sure. Well, thank you, Lisa. It is always pleasant to see all of you guys and collaborate with all of you guys. Um, I run Today in History Buff, which is a page that um, I dedicate to showing what I, what I like to say used to be one event per day. So for the longest time, I've had this page for, um, I think, come May 4th, it will be seven years. Um, and I used to do one event per day. Uh, but then, you know, as time moved on and as, you know, I met all of you guys and they introduced the ability to collab and all that, I'm like, you know, what am I doing here? Like, why am I just doing one post a day, especially when there's so many cool things that you can cover. So I don't do that anymore. Um, there's way too much history in a day to cover uh, mm -hmm. only one event. So um, uh, again, though, I run Today in History Buff. Um, I also, I have a uh, a very, very small, pretty new page on Twitter that I started maybe a couple months ago. Um, I've not been too active on it. I've thought about bringing this page to Facebook. I haven't yet. Um, I'm not the greatest at making videos yet. So, I mean, I would love to be able to do something like YouTube, but, you know, maybe in the future. Um, and I also occasionally am on threads. So I know some of you may not even know what threads is. It was kind of like Facebook. Uh, it was kind of like um Instagram's attempt at Twitter. Um, so, you know, I'm on there every now and then, but Instagram in terms of the history account is my bread and butter. Um, so if you guys like my page, feel free to keep following me there. And yeah, I am very happy to be here and thank you again. Yeah. Um, 
So, Garrett and Eddie, first off, we need to get you guys over to YouTube. <laughs> we need to get you guys need to create a shorts account, if anything, over here on YouTube. I will say I have not gotten on Twitter. You, you, everybody knows that you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook. I'm on Threads. I'm on Rumble. Y'all know where to find me. Um, a little bit of background with me, just like Eddie and Jen, I also have a degree in history. I am a historian. Um, and I've run my account now for, gosh, I started it in on July 3rd of 2019 on, on Instagram is where I started. And I will tell you, I started my account, Historical USA, as a way really to combat misinformation when it came to history. Um, I was seeing so many things uh, wrong. The history that is being taught is not the full truth. And so I wanted to give more of a deep dive on the foundations of our country, how our country was founded, who these men are, who they were. Um, you know, I think 2019 was kind of that peak where we started to see our the foundations of our country under attack as far as history-wise. The redefining of what made, you know, a historical figure either a good historical figure or someone that needed to be re-examined. Um, I also think it was this that around that time that I started noticing, you know, more monuments being removed, whether they were justified or not. I definitely think that was something that was being pushed into the public sphere and something that, you know, now is is up for debate, up for debate among historians as well as, you know, the general public and redefining kind of, you know, how history is taught. Um, I know we've had, I know on my page, I, I've highlighted some moves that government organizations have made um, in whether, you know, what is worthy of preserving and what is something that needs to be flushed out of our history books, of our understanding of our history. Uh, another thing that I have noticed, um, just even outside of social media, is, um, you know, it, it was also that time that the 1619 Project was coming out. And it was a project that was done by a journalist and not necessarily a, a historian who had kind of misrepresented the the research that was given to that individual and was given a Pulitzer Prize on information, historical information that was inaccurate or misrepresented, missing quite a bit of context, so to say. Um, so that was one of the reasons that I personally started my account. I wanted to go to history. Uh, I wanted to get my degree. I wanted to have that training on, you know, what sets you apart from a history buff and a historian and really redefine or not necessarily redefine, but hone my research skills. I want to, to put out the correct information and start teaching history to people that were genuinely interested um, and getting that, that information out there that there's more context to this story. It is, there is definitely more than, than, you know, what is 
in vogue at the, you know, in this present day. Um, so with that, it's been a journey for sure, you know, meeting more of you as I've gotten more into the social media space, meeting more, you know, other historians, other like-minded history buffs that really are mm. interested in preserving the actual history and bringing more of that story um, to light, whether it's the American story, whether it's a human story, whether it's someone like Napoleon, <laughs> you know, really trying to understand who these individuals were and, and how history has brought us to the present. Um, but also with that, I, I've noticed some challenges along the way in telling that story. And after talking to many other history accounts, not just you three here, it seems as though there is kind of a general consensus uh, that that social media is not kind to our accounts. We're not algorithm friendly, so to say. So I really wanted to have a discussion on on either your your own personal experiences, trends that you are seeing in the history content creation space, uh, how social media is either moving history forward or bringing us back in, in certain ways. Um, so with that said, I'm going to ask a pretty general, broad question uh, for you guys, and you can bring yourselves in. Now, I did give you some questions to ponder. We're going to be talking about those. Um, but in your opinion and what you have seen, is history on social media, those of us in this history space, this history niche, is it is our niche and subject a target of censorship online and on social media? And if you feel that way, why do you think that it it is so? Who wants to go first? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go first. I got a hot take on this one. So let me start off by saying, since you referenced Napoleon, that Napoleon's, one of Napoleon's most famous sayings about history was, history is a set of lies agreed upon. And when we start there, we begin to understand how history has changed throughout the ages. Is it fact? Is it fiction? Or is it something else? It's a, a meld of both. And that's where we get historiography from. That's where we get a lot of historical licensing and movies but I think right now what we're experiencing with censorship is a sign of the times we live in. Um, for example, I started out on TikTok. Okay, I had a large TikTok account. My TikTok account was banned for talking about certain people during the Second World War. And I think you all know who I'm referring to. So as a historian, we turn around and say, okay, well, how can I teach anyone the proper history of a subject without saying their names? And names and words seem to hurt people now more than they ever have before. And this transcends into politics. It transcends into everything. So, and to offend no one out there, but we're dealing with a woke community, okay? But woke in the wrong way. We should be woke to what is factual history, not a biased history that somebody brands as their own to try to change something. Because history will never change, regardless of what you try to do. And a perfect example of that is the Roman Empire. Okay, When Rome defeated the Carthaginian Empire, they tried to erase the memory of Carthage from the face of the earth. They destroyed the city of Carthage. They tried to expunge all their documents and their records. And what happened? 
we still remember Carthage today. So there's no way possible that will work in the long term. Now, a lot of this is fueled by politics, modern politics. Okay, the general consensus is in this country, in the United States, is if you are um, a liberal, you're Democrat and you're against history as we know it. If you're a Republican and more conservative, you're more leaning towards conserving what happened in the past. But this goes throughout the entire world. Uh, It's happening in every country. It's happening in Great Britain. It's happening in Sweden. Um, You might not be aware of what's happening with the far right party in Sweden with King Charles XII and how they view him as a historical figure. He's being reexamined. He's like not really our George Washington, but he's very popular in their history. So this is going on throughout social media. Um, And my account in particular differs a little from your guys' account because I go a little more into current events. Uh, Garrett had a Wars of the 21st Century account, which I loved because I was able to collab with him a lot. And they banned his account because they didn't like seeing what's going on with Israel or Gaza or Ukraine. Now, I post a lot of combat videos on mine and I skirt the periphery of bands and everything else. And I know I'm doing that. But when it comes to history like World War II, I just don't see around a way around hurting people's feelings. I just don't. And if you're a creator in this day and age, you want to be successful as a history creator, you unfortunately have to avoid subjects like Germany and World War II. You have to avoid subjects such as what's going on in politics today. You have to avoid subjects such as the Holocaust. Uh, you, you really do, unfortunately, because it'll land you in some hot water. And my account in particular, even though it's not shadow banned, it's been restricted now for about seven or eight months. And I have not been able to go very far in getting more followers, as you all may see. I've been stuck around a 200,000 mark now for a, a, at least six months six to eight months. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the nature of content that I'm presenting. Um, Does it frustrating? Yes, it absolutely is. Um, But can we work around it? Yeah. But our accounts are not going to be as entertaining as they once were. I can tell you that Uh, we all need to evolve. We all need to change. And really there's no workaround for me because I continue to post war videos. I continue to post combat footage. That's who I am. You know, I did the whole quiz thing, and that seems to be very popular. But there was a quiz in there that people didn't like that happened to do with the Holocaust that they tried to spin around, and it got me into hot water. So you really don't know how to skirt the guidelines to the point where you're not going to get yourself in the hot water. The guidelines in TikTok, the guidelines uh, in Instagram, they're very vague. They're not very clear enough. They don't tell you exactly what to or don't say. So you're always putting yourself at risk the moment you open your mouth, you show something on screen. It's a very difficult niche to be successful in. And that's why you don't see a lot of people like us who actually speak and who actually put yourself out there on screen having very successful accounts. Photograph Instagram accounts do very well. You might have 5 million followers who follow that account. But if we're going to be putting our content out there, we need to make sure it's accurate direct to the point and we're not misleading anybody like Lisa said. And one of the ways that I try to mitigate that problem is by listing my sources on my account. You will always see sources so people can go back and say, oh, trust me, bro, comment. No, it's not trust me, bro, comment. It's uh, David Chandler, an English historian, said this 200 years ago. 
and took it from primary sources. So that's something that that's a weapon we can use to combat censorship on social media. But I've spoke too much, so I'll let Jen go. <laughs> no, I completely agree with Eddie and uh, Lisa. I've seen both of your accounts kind of stop. Growing, yeah, it's, you know, and, and and like you said, Eddie, I try to steer clear of modern politics because I find that is the hot button. Right? Yeah, divisive. <laughs> you're on the modern side, and it's the hot button. But my stuff is still. Um, Lisa had commented about the Confederate statue in Arlington mm -hmm. being torn down. I have, was just there like the weekend before. And I'm like, oh, I made a video. I'm going <laughs> to. All my video said is here's the Confederate statue. Oh, yeah. This is what's on it. Here's oh, yeah. what's that. And so, I had so many people lose their mind on it. Yeah, like, going ape shit. What am I trying to do? What am I trying to say? And I didn't say anything. I had a couple of people say, this is the most unbiased post I've ever seen because I didn't, A, I didn't know they were tearing it down. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like, oh, I always wondered where this was. Here it is. This is what it is. You know, like it was, but like you guys say, I think the most important thing is to stand, stay the line, right? Walk the line, stay, you know, persevere, keep going. Because what happens in this is everyone gets very kind of emotional and mm -hmm. everyone's validate their emotion and they're looking for a historian to validate their emotion right. and then you get the journalists coming in writing books that win pulitzers because people feel very validated now in their emotion historically but they're not historians they're they don't know any better so they take the word for gospel and run with it so what are they using most of the time they're using secondary source right most of the time they're using historiography to, to validate what they're talking about. When that, historiography has a very important place in history, right? You can follow historiography and really just follow political uh, movements of the time because that's what people seem to write about historically, yeah. right? Yeah. When women's lib was going on, you started to see women in history. When civil rights were going on, you started to see African-Americans or black in history. So when those movements were going on, people reached back, reached back history, found them in time and wrote about them. Yes. So it's very important that the political climate does make us see other people, does make us realize that those other people did make history. And I do feel it's important to find them. But that's not... What westernized history, what we validate westernized history is this primary source, all the sources. You don't pick and choose your source. You don't pick and choose your evidence to validate your thesis. You give all the evidence and then you say, wow, it seems to me like something I did. It seems to me as the price of cotton went down, the amount of attacks to African-Americans went up. Right. That's that's what historians do. They look right. at the evidence Friends. and then pull out the evidence from all of it. And like you said, Eddie, it has to be factual. It has to be source-based. People have yep. to trust you. And believe me, I misspeak sometimes. I mess up sometimes. I have to make corrections. People will catch me. I'll be like, oh, my God. We all do. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry I misspoke. Or my mind is something. My mouth said another. And yeah. <laughs> like you stay you stay the course because it's important it's important to put it out there yeah but absolutely well I said do see it gets censored because it's not validating how people feel 
And if right. you're not validating how people feel, then you must be wrong and we must censor mm -hmm. you and we must find a way that you're wrong. Mm -hmm. and canceled. It's like it, it's canceled. A, That's that right. You get canceled, right? Yep. But you have to take, you can't now take it personal. As historians, we're telling the truth of the past. No matter how much you attack me personally, that's not going to change. And right. that's kind of what we need to keep, you know, using as our, you know, our North Star. But it's yeah. difficult because we are still people. We are still human. We are still, you know, uh, but you just have to, especially social media, because it's so easy for people to be so cruel yeah. and so mean on that. But it's a great way to reach a lot of people and to get the truth out there, which I also think, Lisa, that's important in an election year. So, but like yeah. you said, I see it happening to you guys. What happens to me on Instagram is I will get blocked from hashtags. I'm a hashtagger, right? Mm. And if I hashtag one thing too much, I'll get blocked from using that hashtag anymore. Yeah, spamming. That's what the algorithm picks yeah. up. Yeah. And so I have to kind of fight back every time I have to put in yeah. like a, like a, yeah. that's not well, right. You know? Well, Garrett, as someone who's had a page completely nuked off social media in the last couple of weeks, I, I am interested to hear your, your thoughts and your takes. Sure. Well, first of all, before I continue, there are just a few accounts that we also collaborate with that I would like to give a little shout out to who maybe couldn't be here today or maybe they uh, they had other things going on. Um, but just to kind of give everyone who's going to listen to this an idea of some of the other good pages that we collaborate with and that we like to help and follow. Um we have our friend John who runs a couple pages. Um, he runs a page called Hidden History Pod where he has his own little podcast. Uh, and he taught, he likes to talk about, you know, some of the more unique things that you don't often hear about throughout history. And he actually also just started another one called Cold War Archives. So if you know anything at all about the Cold War, you know that you have a huge time frame from like the end of World War II all the way to 1991. So that's a very big swath of time that you can cover uh, for a single page. So I wanted to give a shout out to him. I also wanted to give a shout out to our friend Sarah who is the history chick and she runs a really, a really cool, cute page. Um, so um, she was actually going to be here today to my knowledge, but she had something come up at the last second and couldn't make it. Uh, so I wanted to give a shout out to her. And then we also have another one that we've started who, um, he, uh, he, I, to my knowledge, I think he's pretty new and he's trying to grow his account. And so we've started helping him out and he is now part of what we call our little history coalition. Mm -hmm. Um, but his is, did you know history? I think 89. I feel bad that I don't know the number at the end. Yeah, but I think it's 89. It's, okay. Okay. Good, good, yeah. good deal. Um, so yeah, just a few of the ones that we, um, that we also collaborate with, um, just to let you know, but Okay, so regarding the wars page, about a year ago, I had a an interest just kind of spike up uh, in modern combat, modern military combat. And I thought, you know, I like history, but I also like tying things into um, present day. So I thought, you know, why not just make a separate page and focus on... Um, wars of the 21st century. So 
you know, you've got um, basically the 21st century's warfare uh, was defined by 9-11. And, um, you know, I thought, OK, I'll go from there. I'll just do 9-11 and make it an account that covers the war on terror, the war in Afghanistan, the war in Ukraine, um, you know, all these different uh, 21st century combats. And so I called it Wars of the 21st. And for roughly 10 months, um, it flourished pretty good. It actually got more followers than my history account did. Um, and there were some times where Instagram, you know, didn't like uh, seeing some things that were shared. Um, and so it eventually got to where I was shadow banned a few times. And uh, there were quite a few people on there. Um, especially on, I'm, I'm trying to keep this as non-biased as possible, but there were some people on a certain side of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that I didn't, um, usually make too happy on that page. So, um, I don't know if maybe a bunch of them just got together and reported me or what, um, but the page, I think it was around December Eighth, I woke up one morning and I got on to check it and the big message popped up. We've suspended your account. You can appeal this. And so I did. And their little message popped up after I appealed it that said, OK, we're reviewing it. It, it should only take us a day or so and we'll get back to you. Well, here we are a month and a half later. And their message still says we're reviewing your account. It should take us a day or two. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of given up on that. And you know what? At the same time, this page was my original brainchild. It was my original baby. So it's kind of good to come to come back and be a little bit more active on this page again, because it kind of did get to where I wasn't ignoring this page, but I was more infatuated Um with what I had going over on the wars page. Uh, but there was a lot of negativity. I think it was, I think it was Jen who said that, you know, people in social media comments can be really, really mean and hateful. And there were a lot of that. Uh, there was a lot of that on the wars page. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, and the thing is you, you would think that something like that uh, wouldn't, um, wouldn't get to someone. And, you know, we make a lot of times in our own comments come across as, you know, all oh, that doesn't hurt us. It's just a comment. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human mm -hmm. and they do stack on and you do start to question yourself and you think, OK, well, am I actually doing the right thing here? Am I, you know, am I meant for this? Is Am I doing the right thing? Um, and those negative comments really got to me so much that when the page was axed, I didn't really feel as bad about it as you would think. It was more mm -hmm. of like a, almost like a weight lifted off in a way, because, you know, it's like now I don't have to put up with uh, all the negativity that came with it. Um, and, you know, I still get some of that here. Um, I'll give you an example, though, of uh, censorship, jumping over to the other topic really quickly. Um the algorithm definitely, like you said, Lisa and Eddie both, I think you both said it, They, the algorithm definitely has certain people and certain accounts that it picks on. And um, I'll give you an example. This is one of the most ludicrous things that I can think of. But a few months ago, 
I posted a, I think it was a photo. It was, it was an, either a video or a photo, obviously. I think it was a video of the Maiden Revolution, which was kind of the event that started the Russo-Ukrainian War. Um, a lot of people think the Russo-Ukrainian War started two years ago when Russia invaded Ukraine. It actually didn't. That was like a big climax point of the war. But the Russo-Ukrainian War actually started almost 10 years ago in 2014 with the Revolution of Dignity, also called the Maiden Revolution. Um and I posted a photo of a protester pointing an air rifle um, at someone. And, you know, I made a comment for those of you who don't understand air rifles or pellet rifles. They're not your grandfather's BB gun. Um, pellet rifles have the velocity and the power uh, at closer range um, of a 22, essentially, there. If you know anything about firearms, you know pellet rifles at close range can be incredibly powerful. It's not something you want to get hit by. It's not getting hit with a BB. Um, and so I made a comment that uh, for those of you who are wondering, a pellet rifle is nothing to play around with. These are things that are powerful enough to where people, like hunters, can actually use these things to hunt big game animals as large as bison, believe it or not. These pellet rifles can be very powerful. Well, this one guy comments, oh, you think a, a pellet gun can kill a big game animal? Oh, so now I know you know absolutely nothing about what you're talking about. So my comment in response was, well, feel free to look it up and check it out and prove yourself wrong. Guess who gets flagged for bullying? I'll give you a hint. Um, and of course, nothing happens to him, but my comment get flag, uh, gets flagged for bullying. So, you know, there, the algorithm definitely has people that it picks on. Um, and to, to address another point really quickly in regards to censorship, a lot of people out there have wondered, especially on our World War II posts, um, I don't know if I can say the words here, but I'm going to, um, the words Nazi, Hitler, you know, a lot of times these words, like Eddie said, when you're talking about World War II, you cannot accurately talk about the Second World War if you're going to censor what the war was about. I mean, why should you be so bothered that someone mentions the word Hitler or the word Nazi when really you should take pride in the fact that we defeated Hitler and the Nazis? I mean, <laughs> it makes no sense. But um, a lot of times when I'm typing the word, I will use an asterisk mark in Hitler's last name so that the algorithm doesn't censor my account or take down my post. Um, I'll do the same thing if I'm uh, saying Nazi or I will just I've noticed that Eddie will sometimes do this, too. We'll just say the word National Socialist or the word, you know, National Socialist German Workers Party, because that's what the Nazi Party was. Um so for those of you who are listening and you've wondered why we sometimes censor those words, it's not because we want to or it's not because we're afraid of hurting your feelings that we've said the word Nazi or the word Hitler. That's not at all what it is. We're doing that because we're protecting our account. And it's a shame that we have to do that. But if we're going to, you know, have an account on their little platform, unfortunately, we have to play by their little rules. So that's the gist of that. Um, so, yeah. Well, thank you guys for sharing that. You know, I, while you guys were talking, I was sitting here thinking and, and bringing it all in. And has history become a taboo, like a taboo subject mm -hmm. in society? Absolutely. 
it's hard. You know, it's one of those things that even when I got to school, right, my master's degree, it's it, it's so funny how it, it was like I to ask questions that were more like conservative or more just actual questions, you really got looked at a different way. Like, what's your agenda? What I don't appreciate about history is history really feels like 1984, the thought police, Hmm. right? People want to know your intent, not the question. What's the intent of the question? Where do your loyalties lie? And that is such a negative thing we should be thinking about when we're trying to present the facts. Yeah. Well, your loyalties lie should not be what my agenda is, but my agenda is, is getting you the truth. Right. Mm You yeah, your loyalty, yeah. loyalties are irrespective of yeah. the equation here. And and a lot of people believe that it should be tied into each other. Like if you mention something about the National Socialists, <clears throat> you're automatically branded, according to some people, as being one. Yeah. It's unfair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've had people, you know – we all have our opinions and recently within the last year i've started sharing a few of mine i don't do it anywhere near on every post but you know i do feel like everyone should be brave enough uh, to speak their opinions when they want to because i'll go ahead and tell you if you don't the people who don't like you and oppose you and call you out they will and they have no problem with it so you shouldn't be afraid to either but you know i had a post uh, that i made a few weeks ago um and Lisa actually also messaged me and uh, let me know about this. But it was one of our followers was upset that I posted something that kind of portrayed Donald Trump in a little bit of a favorable light. And, you know, his remark was that history doesn't always um History shouldn't portray anyone in any light. It just is what it is. And, you know, I think I get where he's going with that. But at the same time. I kind of disagree. Like, are you saying by that logic, are you saying Hitler is not portrayed in a more negative light in history than someone like Abraham Lincoln or George Washington? I mean, you know, you you have to draw a line at some point. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, you know, that's uh, <clears throat> that's the gist of that. Well, some, um, some, some historical figures are villainized more than others. And Right. I'll give you a perfect example. When I talked to Lisa about this, Napoleon, for example, you know, the, ju- the movie did Napoleon no justice as talking about him. But people view Napoleon as, you know, what he really was. He wasn't just a dictator. He was an enlightened monarch who changed the dynamic of Western civilization. And people view him as a monster. They go by what the British propaganda machine has done over the last 200 some years and people still believe the lies. So that's an example is once you set something out there in motion, it's very hard to change the, yeah. uh, the outlook on it because we're look at, look at what happened to Napoleon. People really believe that he was short, which he really wasn't according to the measurements of the time. People really believe that he was this evil person. In reality, Napoleon was the good guy in Europe who was trying to, liberate Europeans from the old regime, the old monarchical system, which was very oppressive. But people will continue to believe what they want to believe. Same thing as you just discussed before, Garrett, with the National Socialist and Donald Trump. And there's a lot of good things that bad people have done that if you try to elevate them and give them credit, they'll villainize you for it. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Um, yeah. And that's true. And, you know, one thing that I do really want to throw in there is whenever I do make an opinion or even if it's sharing something that is extremely controversial, like something with Israel or something like that, I always have footage or facts to back it up. That's so important. Um you know, like, for example, um, you know, people say, oh, well, the, you know, the Nazis, their name was National Socialist, but they couldn't have been a type of socialist because, <laughs> you know, they they hated and killed other socialists and communists. Well, um, I mean, they said right here in their own platform, in all capital letters, the common good before the individual good. That's not a that's not a conservative statement. Right. Uh, they also said in their platform that they believed in the you know, the nationalization of public education and things like that. So, you know, I, I always have things that I can throw in to back it up. And that's very important. And I think it was you, Eddie, who said you put sources in your yes. in your uh, post. I think that's a good idea. And I may actually yeah. start doing that myself. Um, Garrett, could you maybe mute? Because I'm getting that weird yeah. echo. Um, but something I wanted to say really quickly is, um, you know, for me, I have been seeing this uh, going around about how, you know, Abraham yeah. Lincoln was kicked off the ballot in 1860, much like they're trying to mm. kick Donald Trump off the ballot in 18 in today. Um, how And I, uh, I've seen this kind of podcast clip go around and i think a lot of you might have been sent things by followers i get sent stuff by people who follow me all the time is this true mm -hmm. um you know i know a big one i'm a revolutionary war historian i get all the time was how come we weren't taught about the nine presidents before george washington you know and it's like you probably were uh, but but totally different mm -hmm. um but, you know, Garrett, I think uh, the difference maybe 50 years ago, Eddie, when we're talking about people like Napoleon, you know, his his true nature and, and, and those things, you would have historians discussing these things back and forth, right? These are people who do the research, maybe have a difference of, an, of opinion, you know, one person would write a book refuting that, showing their historical evidence of the research that they found. But now in kind of this digital age, everyone has an opinion. Everyone mm -hmm. thinks that they know the research. Um, you know, I commented on on the, that podcast clip that, you know, there's a lot more nuance to this 1860 thing. And I even created my own you know, here's the facts of what really was happening in 1860. Our elections were run completely different than they are today. Um, so you need to understand that. But so nowadays, everyone can weigh in. Everyone feels like they've, you've, they've watched one TikTok on a subject and they're now the expert on that subject, you know, and I think that's right. another thing I wanted to get uh, have you guys had any instances like that where you've seen something so incredibly outlandish that has just gone completely viral oh, yeah. and has changed the perception of you know whether it's a historical figure or a historical subject um, I I'm, I'm interested to know if any of you guys have come across anything like that because I feel like I come across that on the daily now yeah it's on TikTok all the time <laughs> 
you have TikTok historians, they call them TikTok historians, who, you know, they'll post different content according to their personal beliefs and pass it off as history, just like you said, biased. So it happens all the time. But then you might have someone come in who really is a historian and knows the story. They'll post and they'll actually do a good job and that comment will get 50,000 likes. And that's a way of counteracting what these people are shelling out there, that people know what the true story is. Listen to them, not so much listen to the Yahoo who's just posting off the hip, because in the end, you want to get the, the truth. So yeah. pointing people in the right direction can go a long way. And there's a there's a good YouTuber. I forgot his. Oh, uh, Metadon, who does a very good job of talking about these people who have no credentials whatsoever, who just take a story and they run with it and they twist it around to develop their own story because they are appealing to a certain narrative in society. Mm -hmm. And of course, people are going to jump all over that and say, oh, that's great. Now we believe, you know, that Thomas Jefferson did this or Napoleon did this or George Washington really didn't do this. They'll believe it for gospel because that is what it said. One movie that I find talked about a lot, and uh, you'll probably agree with me with this one since it's the American Revolution, but people really believe there was a Benjamin Martin and a patriot who slaughtered all those redcoats in the back country and everything, and the Battle of, uh, you know, Cowpens was the way it was portrayed in the movie, and, you know, it was so, it's so, it, it's so bad. <laughs> it's unbelievably bad. And people get that impression that what they see on screen is real. It's just across the board. We've yeah. done it for decades. The only difference now is we have a social media outlet where we can interact with these people to get their take on things, to dispute these, these claims. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that – I mean, I'm a little older than you guys, but who would have thought that 30, 40 years ago you have been able to talk to uh, you know, actors or whatever – that you grew up with, like Luke Skywalker, like Mark Hamill, whoever thought you'd be able to talk to him one on one, yeah. you know, or sports stars. You know, I've gotten a chance to talk to all these people on, on social media. You'd be surprised. And it, it brings it a little closer to home now that we've ever had that access. And people get bold. They start going after these celebrities and everything. And they start going after these opinions that have been very popular for years. So I go, I experience it all the time to answer your question on a daily basis, almost on an hourly basis, like you said. And, and to, yeah, and I agree with you, Lisa, I think you pick and choose which ones you want to, you can't, you can't do it all, right? No. <laughs> so you got to pick and choose. I had someone who fought with me. I went to Crystal, I went to Loretta Lynn's home, right? Crystal Gale is Loretta Lynn's youngest sister, right? It was also her home. She was she was, she was born in the hospital, only one of all the kids they had, but she lived in that home till she was four years old. Now, Loretta Lynn was already like in her 20s and gone, right? Mm -hmm, right. But somebody argued nonstop that Loretta Lynn was born in Indiana. Well, that's where they moved when she turned four, and that's where she grew up, yes. But she did not, she lived in that home in, in, in Butcher Holler, just like Loretta Lynn. Mm -hmm. They argued and argued, and they had people who agreed, and they would validate. And I just got to the point like, do I just keep going or do I just let this go? Because it's not, what's the point now? There like, is no point. You get aggravated. Right? So it's like, you know, I told you the truth. Right? You can look it up. It's right there for you. The sources are there. And this is the end of it. 
lies can grow into their own history, though. I yeah, always they use, can. I, I always use yes. Jeanette, let them eat cake, right? It can grow yeah. into their yeah. own history because she never said that, but it's so synonymous with her. Yeah. Because yep. somebody said that she said that and it a long time ago and it just made it. So you got to be careful that historiography can become history. And so, again, that's your job to kind of pull that out, tell people the truth. But I always try to stop at like the thought police, mm -hmm. right? Because I, I can't tell you how to think. I like mm -hmm. to hear why you think the way you do. You learn something from someone you loved. And so you believe that, right? So I like to hear where your memory, where your history comes from. But what it really comes down to is I cannot change what you think. All I can really change is how you think, how you put that together with the history. But really what you think is all yours. It's not my job. And so we have to kind of let it go because it will drive us crazy. Well, hence the term influencers. Mm -hmm. That's what we are. Yeah. We try to influence you in the right direction. But that doesn't mean we're going to be successful every time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's a battle. Yeah. Garrett, is there anything you wanted to add to the this? Well, you know, I I think you and Jan and Eddie have pretty much um, pretty much said everything on this subject that applies to me. I do occasionally have people. Uh, message me who disagree with something, but most of the time it's just a civil disagreement and we talk about it and we move on. So I've been pretty fortunate um, in that respect. A lot of the negativity for me comes through the comments um, and, you know, it's uh, kind of like, I think it was Eddie who said the, the TikTok historians or the armchair historians, um, you know, they... They can still, you know, th here's the thing, and I've experienced this um, just in the past couple weeks. You can share the facts. You can show primary sources like primary uh, primary footage um, and everything, and there will still be people who see the truth right in front of them, and they will still choose not to believe it because it doesn't fit their agenda of the past. It doesn't fit... Um, their worldview. It doesn't fit what they want their worldview to be. And because they don't want to get out of that comfort zone and believe something that, you know, they thought they thought something to be true and it turns out it's not, or they thought something wasn't true and it actually is, you know, they don't want to reconcile with it. So, yeah. Thank you. Does, um, does our society today, are we lacking historical empathy more oh, yeah. than ever before and how how do we because i i homeschool my kids you know and i i look at them as they're going to be the future they're going to be you know they're going to be in society one day and how do i teach them these subjects and i do that for my followers too how do i teach them these subjects and really convey an empathy for the 19th century because you know that's what i see a lot of times in my comments there is no you know that everything is judged by a 21st century standard mm -hmm. and our standards are changing so rapidly in this day and age i mean things that were not acceptable 10 years ago are now being more 
you know, acceptable. You can't, you know, be against certain things now because our society is changing. But I mean, I don't know. That's just been on my heart. This this lack of empathy towards individuals and events and things that have happened in the past. Have you guys seen a lot of that in your comments? Well, oh, yeah. yeah. And this is my opinion. And this is what I like to tell people. So you, in my opinion, um, are there some things that we can judge by the standards of today and say things were never okay? Yes, absolutely. Are there some things that we can look at in the context of the time and say these people were trying their hardest and their darndest to try to make things right? Yes. And I'll give you an example. Um, A lot of people think that the American founding fathers were just these racist, old, evil slave owners. Um, When in actuality, there were quite a few of them that didn't own slaves. And even the ones who did act like Jefferson and Washington, I think are the two that come to most people's mind when you talk about the founders and owning slaves, even they knew that it was wrong. They knew that they were participating in a wrongdoing and they were doing what they could to make it right. Now, this is what a lot of people don't understand because they don't, they're not taught it or they're indoctrinated not to think this way. At the time of the American founding, slavery and conquest were two things that were predominant in the world, the entire world. Conquest and slavery were things that were going on all over the world. They were nothing uniquely American, not even remotely uniquely American. They were not. Um, What is uniquely American is the fact that you have, well, what is uniquely Western, I should say, is the fact that you have people founding a government on the basis of you know, these God-given ordained rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and them saying, you know what, let's extend these. It's not going to happen right now, but let's extend it. And the reason I say it's not going to happen right now, again, you have to remember things like slavery and conquest were still very much so prevalent in the world. Slavery still exists today in the modern world in places in the old world. And you don't ever hear anyone talk about that. Instead, they chastise Mm -hmm. America for throwing off the institution 160 years ago. Mm -hmm. But one quote, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to hog the screen here, but I have to throw this in. This is one quote that I have pretty much memorized um, during my research. And it's kind of a long one, but it's from Abraham Lincoln in his response to the Dred Scott decision. So for those of you who don't know, in the late 1850s, there was a slave named Dred Scott who took his case to court. um, And the the Supreme Court, it's one of the most negatively received and controversial Supreme Court cases in American history. The Supreme Court basically sided against Scott and said that he was a slave, not a citizen. He had no rights. uh, He had no constitutional rights to citizenship. And so at the time, the Democratic Party under Stephen Douglas uh, was running with this. And Stephen Douglas took it upon himself to say, look, see, you know, the founders, they didn't mean all men are created equal. That's not what they meant. They were saying only only white men are created equal. And that's actually a point that the Democratic Party still spouts. And I know some people are not going to like to hear that, but it's true. Um, Abraham Lincoln contested it. He issued a response to the Dred Scott decision. 
And this is one of the most brilliant quotes I've ever heard in my entire life. And that's a hill that I'll die on. He said, the authors of that notable instrument, he's talking about the Declaration of Independence, the authors of that notable instrument intended to include all men. They did not mean to declare all men equal in all respects. He said, and he's talking about the founders, he said they did not intend to say that all were equal in color, size, intellect, moral development, or social capacity, but they defined with tolerable distinctness those respects that they did consider all men created equal, and that is equal in certain inalienable rights, among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This they said, and this they meant. They did not mean to assert the obvious untruth that all were then actually enjoying that equality, nor yet that they were about to immediately confer it upon them because they had no power to confer such a boon. They simply meant to declare the right so that the enforcement of that right would would fall in as fast as circumstances should permit. Now, he also goes on a little bit further than that in the same document, and he talks about how the phrase, all men are created equal, was actually of no practical use in the Declaration of Independence when it came to separating from Britain. Now, that part is true because Britain didn't care whether or not we had the phrase, all men are created equal in our Declaration of Independence. All they mm -hmm. knew was, that, I mean, they were we were breaking away. They were wanting to get their colonies back. Um, but what Lincoln said was it was the genius mind of the founding, the genius minds of the founding fathers put that in the Declaration of Independence because they knew that there would be a time when people would try to come in and basically revert people back to the state of nature into this hateful path of despotism, I think is how he referred it. And so that part, that final part, I'm still trying to get that a little memorized. But that entire passage is one of the most insanely genius quotes in world history that I have ever read in my entire life. And it boggles my mind that we don't actually teach that in our education system. Garrett, I have got to just, oh, I want to scream. I loved that so much. Thank you. I have been You're trying welcome. to, I have been trying to scream from that, like rooftops. This is my thesis. The abolitionist movement in the Western world starts in the American colonies. It That is where it starts. It doesn't start in England. It doesn't start in France. It starts in the American colonies. And our founding fathers, that generation, were children when those abolitionist ideas began during the Great Awake, that first Great Awakening, you know, with the Quakers and the Friends of Society, that that is where it starts. It starts here in America. And yes, things, you know, people are people and human have, humans have human nature and, you know, politics came into the whole mix and money and power and all of that. But the abolitionist movement starts in America and I freaking love what you just said so much. I'm like nerding out over it. But um, our hour is coming to an end. So again, and honestly, I want to thank all of you guys for coming on and talking about this subject. Cause I think it's one that's really important. Um, and I think history is moving out of, you know, the books as a historian, that's what you, you either taught or you wrote. And now we're, we're in this digital space. And, and before we go, I kind of want to get your, you know, maybe thoughts on where is history going as a, as a, as a, um, as a subject, as a study, uh, as a scholarship, 
uh, where are we going in the future when it comes to social media and history? Um, and, and how can we, how can we use our, our, our voices to teach history better? Well, I think eventually uh, social media as a whole will begin to phase us out because it doesn't fit the narrative that they're trying to promote. And I could totally see accounts being completely erased, such as Garrett's Wars of the 21st were, um, especially if they feel that they want to direct people to a certain direction. And we don't fit that profile, you know, and it's unfortunate because we have this beautiful opportunity to express our opinions and to express factual history as Garrett just beautifully stated, which is one of the greatest uh, couple of minutes that I've heard anyone speak about Abraham Lincoln and what he really meant with that, with the Dred Scott decision. So awesome job. But it's people like Garrett, it's people like us who really need to persevere and continue with that effort, regardless of what other, what other challenges are in our way. And you have to continue, as Jen was saying, stay the line. You have to continue to move forward. Now, could we be canceled? Absolutely. Do I expect that to happen? Absolutely. But as that happens, as we begin to see these changes in the trends, we too need to evolve in the way we deliver content and what we talk about. We have to abide by the rules to a certain extent. And to stay relevant in this day and age, we have to do what the big brother tells us to do, but try to go upon our own path at the same time, which is a unique challenge to, to overcome. Yeah. I, I agree with Eddie. It's very much, I, I very much use 1984 as, yeah. as a yeah. map for myself, right? I very much try to be aware of the thought police and really just hold the source and try not to really get into the emotion of it and just carry the facts of it, just like share it, like this is the quote, this is what he said, right? I try to, the empathy, Lisa, you know, I try to talk about what do you think it felt like coming over and being here in this new world and 80% of people starving to death. What do you think that feels like? You know, so I really try to be like, your focus is not our focus. The free time wasn't there. This, this time to be like how I feel about this, their feelings were not even a thought. Right. right? It doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> Who's making the bread? Who's not sick? Who is, you know, hunting today? How are we surviving? What's what are we going to eat next? Like, we have to really think about where these people were because we try to give them so much intent and so much like they were thinking this and they were doing this. They were so masculine. It's like, no, they were surviving and they were trying to survive and they were trying to make a world in which they could. And so that's where the empathy comes from. I think really, Lisa, I think Obama did it. I think every president should have a historian on staff. I think that historians should always be able to advise on what happened in history through the president, because I think it's important to know the past. But I think it needs to be a more credible occupation. Thanks. Yeah. Well, you guys, this has been such a great discussion. I love. I personally love these history roundtables. That they're like my favorite. I feel like I. We all live so you know all over the place, and just coming and talking and 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 discussing. 
subjects like this or just history subjects in general, I learned so much and I have such a good time reconnecting with my friends and I hope that the audience has a good time kind of listening to us. And I just want to say, you know, thank you so much again, everyone. The social media links are in the bio. Please click on them. Make sure you're following Eddie and Garrett and Jen, wherever they are, because I, I promise you won't regret it. They are some of my favorite history content creators. Thank and you. I just want to thank you guys so much again and have a great night, everyone.